Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. And my guest this week is Pat Flynn. Now, before you change to go listen to some other podcast because you've heard Pat Flynn on a number of other shows right now promoting his book, Will It Fly? Listen, this is a different episode than usual for people who already know what that book is about. In essence, that book is about testing out new ideas to see if they're worthwhile to use for business, in life, etc. Pat and I talk about that and then move into practical applications for making sure you have room in your life to do that testing or to come up with those ideas or to decide which ideas you even have room for in your life to test. Trust me, you're going to like this episode and you're going to want to listen to it even if you've already heard Pat talk about Will It Fly somewhere else. Before we get into that conversation, I want to say thank you to Nosby for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Nosby is a tool that I and more than 300,000 other people use to be effective and get their tasks done and thereby their projects done. What I love about Nosby is the fact that it's cross-platform. The fact that it's always with me, whether I'm at my desktop, laptop, if I need to just jump in on the web at some point, or use my iPad, my phone, and yes, even my Apple Watch. It's kind of nice to tap my wrist and say, done, that's done, got it done. Or for the fact that while I'm on the go, I can capture new tasks and to-do items that maybe I wasn't thinking I needed to do that was part of a project. Well, tap my wrist, tap my phone, whatever, open it up, open the project up, click capture, click add new task, etc. And there, I don't forget another task that I've either been given by somebody else or that I self-delegated. One of the other cool things is that Nosby is just good to use with teams. In fact, Nosby is so committed to your productivity and the productivity of your team that every Nosby Pro user gets a second account for their partner included free. You don't have any excuse to not get your stuff done and to delegate and work with a partner on Nosby. Get your stuff done. To get a free 30-day Nosby Pro trial, just head on over to nosby.com slash T-O-D-O. That's N-O-Z-B-E dot com slash T-O-D-O. When you upgrade, use the coupon code TODO. You'll save an additional 10%. Thank you again to Nosby for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Enjoy this conversation with Pat Flynn. This week, it's my privilege to welcome back, finally, Pat Flynn to the podcast. Welcome back, Pat. What's up, Eric? So glad to be here. So it's been a while. We've seen each other a couple times. Yeah, uh, yeah. In person. I've you know, I've stood in a uh, standing room only presentation or two of yours. And <laughs> <laughs> so, I need to get a bigger room. There you go. Uh, not planning ahead, but that's not your fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I want to do the cool thing here, which is which is what I try to do every time somebody awesome is coming is, is making the rounds promoting their new book, and you you suddenly see them everywhere on right. every podcast. So what I want to do is right up front talk about what the book is, talk about a couple of different ideas, but then go into the personal like behind the scenes. How do you in the nitty gritty rubber meets the road make some of this work for a busy person who's often online? has a wife, kids, traveling all over. Like, I want to get into the, like, you know, anyway, the practicality of it. Yeah, I, so, I love it. I love it. It sounds like a great game plan. So, uh, will it fly? Will it? 
Will it, Pat? Will it fly? Well, we'll, we'll see on February 1st. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe not. No. Uh, will it fly? How to test your next business idea so you don't waste your time and money. This has been my one thing that I've been focusing on for the last several months. And I'm, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm scared, but, but super stoked about, uh, you know, what's going to happen after this launches. It's, uh, you know, so excited. I'm, I'm very thankful to be on your show talking about it too. Thank you. So it's really a big, Productivity question, to be honest, because choosing what you're going to work on is one of the huge components of, you know, getting anything done. And it's actually one of the big questions that, you know, I and a couple other productivity people get all the time, which is how do you choose what to work on? How do I know, you know, what should I be doing? It even goes into a, a philosophical or a, I don't know, however far you want to take the, the, you know, <laughs> I don't know, frou frou <laughs> stuff, but what's my purpose in life? Like it's, it's, it really is. And, and I've always, uh, I've chalked it up to uh, one of the conversations that I had that really kind of got my head on clear with this is, uh, talking with Jeff Goins and the fact that he was talking about that there's never any, there's never any, uh, effort or experience that's wasted. So I think, so the question here, obviously from a business standpoint, Will it fly? You want the answer to be yes. You want it to be a success in terms of recouping the time and the money and the effort that you've put in and have it continue to fly. You know, that, that's the purpose for a plane, if I can keep going right. metaphorically. Well, I mean, it, that's half right, actually. I, you know, the, the purpose of the book is to get an answer. Will it fly? Yes. Or will it fly? No. Either oh, one is actually a, a win, yeah. right? Because then you know now, as opposed to, uh, you know, when you launched and you're just coming to crash down or you're two years down the road and you just wish you'd done something differently. Um, so it's actually really cool because no matter what the answer is, it's, it's going to be a win, but it, it is something that you have to figure out. And, you know, I know from speaking to my audience and to running surveys and, and hearing their own voice, uh, that, that this, this, these choices that they have, they often stop them from making any choice at all. And it's this unknown, this, you know, how do I know if this is going to work that actually stops them from moving forward? You know, it's kind of that, you know, w w whenever we get any great ideas, you know, it's, it's, it's the positive what is. It's like, what if this is the one? What if this works? What if this, like, it sells and makes a lot of money? And, um, and then it kind of shifts you know, once you start to do the work, it starts to shift the what ifs to the to the negative what ifs. What if this doesn't work? What if this is going to be a failure? What if I let somebody down? What if this is all for nothing? And and this book is you know hopefully there to help people to you know figure out what what that answer is now, so they don't have to to you know waste time and money later. Well, I love that you're going at it from that angle. That it's not about uh, you know will it fly, and if it doesn't, then how do I cope with it breaking apart in my life, falling to pieces? It's it's getting the answer to the question and that that's what's important here. Right. I love that. And, and, and our mutual friend and, and my boss, uh, Michael Stelsner, he's had a saying he started saying recently, which I'm still trying to pick apart a little bit here, but he's dealing with opportunity cost when he says it. He says, you can't start one thing without stopping another. And, and mm. I completely get that. And, and I think in that statement is hidden some of that fear that we're talking about when we're trying to figure out you know, if which idea of the few ideas, I wish I had more of them also, side note, um, is the one. And how do I – and and my time and my money and my relationships are so precious to me that if I go in any one direction and it's the wrong one, then, uh, you know, all is lost. Right, right. And I think the big problem here is when people decide on, on something, uh, they're not – consciously thinking about the steps that they're taking. They just kind of go with it. And in terms of business, it would be uh, to the likes of how many people start businesses, which is they just 
have an idea, they build that thing and they, you know, spend however much time and, and money on it and effort and sweat equity and whatnot. And then they, you know, run up to the rooftops and they just shout like, hey, buy my thing. Like, here it is. And then, you know, nobody buys it and they're wondering why. And, you know, because you rushed into it, you don't know if it's, well, is it because the product's bad or is it because of how you shouted out about it? Or is it the particular rooftop that you climbed up to shout it on. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions that happen when you rush into it like that. And if you were to take an iterative pr- approach, which is what this book does, you you understand where the points of failure are and you kind of don't keep going unless you figured out that, ne- that that part that you're on. And and the beauty of that is if something doesn't work, you know what to fix. And if, if you know, you, you, you then can figure out what that thing is instead of just wondering what the heck is going on. Well, I alluded to the the one key piece there, which was that uh, a lot of people, either they have a, a small handful of ideas or they have too many ideas. Uh, but there's also that other group of people out there where they're thinking, how do I, where do I get these ideas from? Like, how do I, and, and how do I filter or create order out of them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you meant you say filter and order, because those are two really important words to me. And when I think about how powerful the human brain is. You know, our, our brains are good at coming up with stuff, right? Um, and even if you don't have ideas, you could, you, you know, you can come up with stuff on the fly and, you know, things, things happen. But then putting order to them, actually making sense of the things we're thinking about uh, is hard to do and how to filter those things in terms of what's, what's going to work or what's not or, or what makes sense or what doesn't. You know, it's very hard to do unless you start to visualize. And that's why one of my favorite exercises is this exercise called mind mapping. And I know this is something that a lot of people in the mm-hmm. business space do. We take these ideas in our brain and we put them down on some form, you know, whether it's a mind mapping software like MindMeister, which is one of my favorites. But I've now gotten very in tune with Post-it notes. And I love of post-it notes. I think, you know, I might be one of the top post-it note users in the United States, maybe. I don't know. But I use post-it notes for everything now because it forces you to write down just a particular idea. There's only so much space on that note, but you can also pick it up and place it somewhere else. In which case, if you have all these ideas that are on these post-it notes, you can then pick them up and start to clump them together, start to organize them, start to create order out of them, start to filter them as you're doing that. And by then, you're able to start to see and visualize what, are the, what is this thing that, that is becoming? And you can use this when you have an idea, you're trying to refine what that idea is, or you can use this when you're coming up with ideas and you can start to create patterns and things that you're interested in or things that you're not interested in. And in terms of finding ideas, it all starts with figuring out what the problems are for a particular market. Every great business solves a problem. That's all a business is. An entrepreneur is simply a problem solver. So, of course, you have to figure out what those problems are. And that goes with a lot of the market research that goes on. And I do talk about market research, but I, you know, research is a scary word. It's that word in high school or college where like, oh man, I got to do all this extra work. But it's actually very, very important to do market research. And in terms of business and, and figuring out where your place is in a space, you know, if you have some interest in some particular niche in any market, one of the first things I share with people to do is to create your market map. And this is this is a really handy uh, research tool that then becomes a, uh, or a research exercise that then becomes a tool you can use moving forward. And, you know, I'll just, it's in the book, but I'm happy to share it with, it, uh, share it with you and, and everybody listening. And this is, you know, creating your market map. This is to get an understanding of what's out there already because they often say, well, you need to stand out of the crowd. But how do you know how to do that unless you know who the crowd is or what that crowd is, right? So you're figuring out what this market is like. And this is where you discover the three P's of your audience. And the three P's of your market are this. The first P are the places. All the locations, online and offline, forums, blogs, uh, social groups, you know, that sort of thing, where people exist. 
So the, the, those are the places. Um, the, the second P are the people, the people, the influencers, those in that particular market who have some sort of influence, who have gained authority over that particular crowd already. You can easily find them through social media, you know, Twitter advanced search to find the top accounts with the most followers. You can find them on podcasting uh, networks. You can find them you know, in many different places, the group owners in LinkedIn, so on and so forth. The third P and the final one are the products, the things that are already being served to that particular audience. And when you look at the, these three Ps and when you map these out and you, when you have them on a spreadsheet, for example, you then have this incredible understanding of this space that you're trying to get into. And you can find a position in it a lot easier if you see what's out there already. And plus, you can see where the holes are. You can go into Amazon, for example, on these products. If, if they do exist on Amazon, you can look at the three-star reviews and you can see oh, what people like and what people don't like. The reason I say three stars because those are typically the most honest. A lot of times they even list here are the pros and here are the cons. And you could take those moving forward with you as you kind of refine your idea and take it and, and actually then uh, eventually what you end up doing is presenting that a solution that you've come up with based on these problems that you've discovered in this market through all this research. And uh, you, you, it's kind of like your hypothesis. This would be a solution for this particular problem. And then you actually go and interact with those people and true validation is, is not somebody saying they would buy it or be interested in it. It's actually having people pay for it. And having, you know, just getting a few people to pay for it will tell you that this is actually something that people want. And, you know, traditionally, this is something that was, you know, I'm not the first person to talk about validation in, in, in this way. Tim Ferriss was the first one to talk about it, kind of put it on the map, at least, in the four-hour work week. But the difference is, this is where now what's working is you're getting in, uh, these interactions with your audience. You're actually talking to them. You're not pretending you have a product and having people click a buy now button and keeping track of that. You're actually being honest with people and saying, hey, I'm going to create this thing if I get X amount of people to, to, to pay me money up front for this idea to show me that this is actually something you would want. By paying this discount price, you'll also get access to helping me create and shape what this actually becomes for you. Are you in? And if you can't do that, well, then you don't need to move forward and build the whole business out and then try and figure it out. You're figuring it out now. Yeah. Well, and you're really talking about basically you, you got to do your homework. You got to validate the ideas. You do. I mean, I, I think a lot of people expect like magic to just happen or, you know, once you have a great idea that it's going to work out automatically. And I think if anybody who's seen the show Shark Tank knows that some people think they have the best idea in the world. And when you start to validate it in front of a, a seasoned sort of group of, of investors, it becomes quite obvious. Um, and even to those watching live or on, on television that it's not a great idea at all. Um, which is why what, one of the other strategies to do is when you have an idea of any kind, whether it's related to business or not, is to just talk about it with other people. This is one of the best things you can do and one of the hardest things to do too because especially with business, we're all afraid to share ideas with people because we're afraid people are going to steal them. And um, the truth is that they're not going to do that. And you're going to be the one that's actually going to do the work to actually see things, see these things through. And the benefits of actually sharing your idea with people far outweigh the potential cons of sharing your idea. And the benefits are you get to hear people's reactions. You get to see people's reactions if you're talking to them in person. You get to have them poke holes in that idea and also, and more importantly, help you make it even better. So the next time you come up with an idea for anything, share it with people around you, share it with strangers, share it with, with those who are close to you and just gauge what their reaction is, see what they have to say about it and you're going to start to see patterns in what people think. You know, don't just take one person's opinion, but, you know, listen and then you can refine from there and actually see if this is actually something you should move forward with instead of, like I said earlier, you get this idea, you go 
and then you find out later that this isn't actually a thing you should have done. And you know, I've, ha- I've had many examples <laughs> in business where I've done that and I've lost tens of thousands of dollars because I rushed into it because I was too anxious, because I was too secretive of, of my thing, where I could have just shared it with a few people and quickly understood what I was doing wrong and avoided a huge mess, a lot of wasted time and money. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have, I guess the, the benefit of going through those experiences is I'm able to share them with you now so that you don't have to go through them. Yeah. Uh, see, still, them. still not wasted experience. <laughs> Everybody else is learning from Pat's mistakes. Um, and, and Chris Ducker always calls it the, the superhero syndrome where you think that you can do it all on your oh, own. Oh yeah. Gosh, that's so common. So, and, and I think what you're describing really in, in one of the key places maybe that would be to, to talk to people about it with is, is a trusted group, like a mastermind, if you're part of one. And if you're not, you should be. Um, right. I mean, it, it's interesting. My wife is in a group and she's not a business owner. And <laughs> right. so the thing is, you don't need to have a business to have a mastermind group. I think a, gr- a mastermind group essentially is just people who you trust, who you get together with on a consistent basis to talk about stuff that you can all help each other out with reaching your goals in life. And, uh, and, and, and she's in this group now with a few other wives of, of entrepreneurs um, that, that are my friends. And it's great. I mean, I've seen massive change in, in her and how she has been able to take the information she's learned from others um, and actually you know, apply them in her life as a, as a, as a parent, as a mother, as a, as a wife. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you got to connect with other people and yeah. you have to find that group of people who you can connect with and be very open and honest with who are also going to be open and honest, but at the same time, respectful to you too. That's very cool. I- I'm very happy to hear that. I've never heard of, you know, wives of entrepreneurs mastermind group. That's pretty cool. Yeah, right. As long as they don't start it like a real wives of entrepreneurs oh, yeah. show, then. I could so see that happening. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other key pieces then is to Make the time and space in your schedule to assess your ideas, come up with the ideas, be creative, or to do your homework on these things. You've got to, again, like I said, make space, make right. time to to work on those things. And I know you've been, you know, a re-engineering person when it comes to that over and over and over again. What are some of the key things you do in order to get rid of, say, distractions in your work environment or online or to kind of streamline your process and your workflow? Yeah, I mean, I do do a lot of different things. I've experimented with a lot of things down the road. I mean, I, for one, am very in tune with when I am most uh, focused. Um, I'm I'm in tune with my health, which has played a big role in my creativity and focus as well. But, But to my earlier point, you know, we go through these cycles during the day of high points and low points and when you're tired and when you're focused. And um, I've learned to really take hold and, and be conscious of when I'm in that zone, when I'm in the focus zone and to try and place work in that moment. Um, and, you know, a lot of, you know, it's interesting, you can get into the science of this and stuff. And, and I, you know, I'm definitely not qualified to talk about it on that level. But, you know, just be con- being conscious of, you know, I guess here's another way to approach it. Have you ever tried doing something high level, a lot of hard work when you're tired? Or oh, when yeah. you're just, it, it, it's impossible. Like you're just waste, wasting your time. You're getting stressed. And at that moment, you should be doing whatever you can to recharge, whether it's sleep or eat or connect with loved ones or whatever you need to do to recharge. 
if you're not conscious about that, you're just going to be wasting time. You're going to be actually potentially losing time because you're going to be doing work that you're going to just not think, you know, it's not going to be, you're going to erase it or, or you know, if you're writing a book, uh, you're not going to use what you've just written. It's it's not worth it. So I'm very in tune with, with where I'm at mentally during the day to make sure that I'm doing those high level activities during that part of the day too. I've learned that. Um, I've been able to utilize my mornings a lot better too. I'm extremely focused in the mornings before the kids wake up. And that was a big shift for me over the, I, probably the last time we've chatted on your show. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a night owl and I would do all my work after the kids are asleep. And that was yeah, my way yeah. to focus. I right? remember you were even going out and having a run when it was pitch dark out. <laughs> yes, I was. And that was, you know, that made sense for me because it was working around my kid's schedule and I want to be up and with my kids all the time. And currently as we speak, uh, my daughter's napping, my son's at school, so I'm, I'm still living up to that. But I sort of switched it around because I've heard so many entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs I look up to talk about how incredible their morning routine is for the rest of the day. So I, I experimented with that. I also connected with Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning. Yes. And I just said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot and see what happens. And by golly, it has made massive differences in how focused I am. And I think one of the most important things is I start my day for me. And this is a big message in the Miracle Morning is, you know, we oftentimes wake up to an alarm for somebody else to get to work, to work on somebody else's dreams, to bring our kids to school, to do whatever for somebody else. But when you wake up early for you, you're going to be completely motivated. You're going to be well-rested, hopefully, if you've gotten rest the night before. And you know that that time is for you. So that's personal development time. That's time to write. My book, Will It Fly, was written between the hours of 5.30 and 7.30 in the morning every single day. And I placed that project in that time because I knew that that's when I was going to be the most focused, So, which goes back to my earlier point. Um, so that, that has played a big role, um, too, uh, in, in the morning hours. And, you know, I guess the piece of advice I give for everybody else out there who's like, oh, I don't have any extra time. I can't really move things around. It would be to wake up an hour earlier. And, um, you know, and also adjust your sleep too. I think the quality of sleep is something that a lot of people don't really consider. You know, how you sleep matters in how you live your day. And there's a lot of great books out there. Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson is one of my favorites. There's It's just a, an incredible book of, of 20 plus tips that you can use to optimize your sleep. And I've implemented and I'm able to implement about half of them, but they've made a huge difference in the quality of sleep, which allows me to get actually better sleep in less amount of time. And there's actually ways that you could track that too. But, um, you know, again, it's probably easy to see, Eric, that I'm just one of those guys who's always trying new things to see what I could do to better improve myself. And I think in ever way, ever which way you do that, that has to be something that you want to do to improve. And I think that's why people listen to your show, obviously, because they want to figure out new ways to improve. And as long as you take this information and you know what works for you and you're conscious and you're keeping track, you know what works for you. What The things that work for me might not work for you, but as long as you're conscious about trying to improve, um, you're going to improve. That's, you, you can't improve unless you track. And I think that's that's one of the biggest lessons. Yeah, that's one of the, well, that is one of the biggest lessons. And, and I think what you just said about, well, you know, what works for you isn't going to work for everybody else. I mean, there are certain principles that, uh, you know, get better sleep and, uh, be more physically yeah, fit that, that are across the board, just like, that's truth. But, you're right, uh, you're right. th I mean, there's other things like, you know, some people, again, when you were functioning, uh, as a night owl, you were functioning really high. Like you were getting stuff done, but life doesn't let you stay that way. All the time, you know, like stuff's you, know, you got to switch stuff up because I think at, at the time you only had uh, the your son mm -hmm. 
And now my daughter you. was right on the heels of that, uh, or was just born or something like that. I forget at this point, it's been, you know, it's been a long time, it's almost but... been four years, but, um, but that constant shift of having those priorities, like, so, so in other words, how do you, here's one other kind of key follow up here is once you've locked in on something new and something say something you, you've got an idea that it's kind of sticking out to you either gut reaction and or you've kind of taken some time to start to validate it and then you want to start moving it into the process of it's the next project that pat's going to work on what does that process look like in terms of onboarding it into the rest of your life yeah great quite you're such a good interviewer eric um <laughs> It's interesting. Onboarding that new thing means offboarding other things. And this goes back to what Michael Selzner was saying earlier. It's similar, uh, a similar quote. And that is, if you say yes to something, it means you're saying no to something else. And if you're conscious about that, when you take on this new thing, you can then figure out what those no's are going to be. It is when people don't do that that those no's happen in areas of their life where it shouldn't or they don't want it to. And so if you're conscious about what you're saying no to or what you can say no to, maybe it's saying no to, you know, Netflix or no to some other activity that, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit. But if you have this thing become your one thing, and this is, this is why it's called the one thing because nothing else is there. It's just that one thing. By nothing else, I mean other other projects. You're focusing on this one thing, and it, it is your. It becomes your obsession. That's that's kind of the approach I take when I have these ideas, and I want them. I really want to see them through. I want to give them the best chance to do what hopefully I feel like they could do for me. They become an obsession, and not an obsession where I'm thinking about them twenty four seven. But it is when I'm in work mode that that is the thing that I'm focusing on. The next uh, task in my to-do list is about that thing. Anything I learn is about that thing. If not, now's, the, now's not the right time. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of yeah. structure around you know how I'm able to really take these projects and onboard them by offboarding some other things. So in, in some ways you're saying you create kind of a healthy obsession with that idea as well. Correct. And that that gives you momentum and it gives you – I mean if you're already constantly thinking about it, then it's easy to say, ooh, what do I get to work on next? Oh, it's more about this. Right. And it's when other things get in the way that then it starts to slow down. And I think you know you need to accelerate through it. You can't have other things – and again, this is why offboarding those other things are really important. You can't have those decelerate the, that momentum you have, especially so, in the beginning. So what about the things that you can't offboard that are still necessity to you <laughs> outside of this project or you know your family – how do you balance those as yeah, I mean, you can't get rid of them? It is a balance. And by balance, it's not ever going to be perfectly balanced on either side. And I think that's that's one of the big myths of this quest for work-life balance is that you know when you think of a scale in perfect balance, that is only one point on that scale that is perfectly aligned on equal weight both sides. And trying to live your life to that is going to be impossible. Um, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be feeling bad because it's always going to be one way or another. And you know that that's the case. It's never going to be perfectly balanced. It's about making sure it doesn't teeter too far to one side or too far to the other. And it's just, again, being conscious about which side it's on and where it's at. And I think that comes with communication and talking to other people because a lot of those weights on the other side involve other people. And it's when you avoid communication, it's when you don't know that, that then things start to get, you know, a little fishy and you might start to disappear more than you should. And, you know, if you're conscious about 
what it is that's important and your priorities, then it's going to be a lot easier to figure out, okay, where on the scale should I put each of these things? And again, if you're communicating, it allows other people to know what's going on. I think that's the thing a lot of entrepreneurs don't do enough is share what they're up to with their loved ones and their family. You know, I, I'm for one, I love getting my family involved. My, you know, my wife doesn't really necessarily, uh, stay totally in tune when it comes with to business talk. But I get them involved when I tell them what I'm up to. I tell them that I have a book launch coming up and that is a sign that I, you know, I'm going to be busy for the next couple of weeks. But then I always try to bring it back to the other side of the scale by, you know, making sure that we do something to celebrate afterwards or we do something together where I know I'm not going to be thinking about business at all. So again, it's just kind of going back and forth and making sure it doesn't go too far on one side or the other. Yeah, I and, love that uh, you're pointing out that basically uh, balance is not a plateau. No. It's never going to stay set. I mean, if, if it it'd be a table. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's and, and, and the whole work life. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I picture it this way, that the whole work life balance thing is it's like walking. You know, you realize we're balancing as we're walking forward. You know, if you ever stay on just one foot or the other too long, eventually you're going to fall over. But it's because you're shifting back and forth. And, you know, that's healthy mm-hmm. that. uh I mean, and we're constantly doing that all day. It's like, I'm not sitting in my email all day. I'm not sitting in one thing all day. I'm moving from thing to thing to thing. And that is balance. Right. So. I love that. And how do we start life? We don't know how to walk. Yes, right? exactly. You figure it out. You try, you fall down and you get up and you do it again until it finally works. And then do we consciously think about it now? No, we just walk because we've done it so much. And until you figure out the process, it's going to be a constant battle in your head. So you got to you got to make it have it. You got to make it just a part of your routine to do these things that'll help you kind of balance and, and walk without you having to think about it anymore. Do you feel like it's less of a struggle to walk in this path now? I do. I mean, when I first started, even before we had kids, my wife and I would always be, you know, having these little fights here and there about um, my schedule and, you know, what I was working on. I'd be, you know, on a date with her and I'd be checking my email, just like all this stuff, which I didn't think was a big deal. It was a huge deal to her. And I'm so glad that she called me out on a lot of those things. And we had some serious discussions about that because um, if I were to have that sort of mental, uh, if I were to do those things now with the kids, I just, you know, I couldn't imagine, you know, being you know, somebody like that where, you know, like my kids uh, trying to talk to me and I'm on email or Twitter or something and that's more important. No, like, and I'm so glad she called me out on that. And again, that's, that's why communication is huge with those around you. That's why uh, knowing, you know, and of course I didn't want to fight, but they were absolutely necessary. You're going to have to uh, go through those kind of battles every once in a while to get through and win the war. That's awesome. Um, I think that uh, ultimately, People watching you, which you, you've got a lot of people that are always watching you. They're like, what's Pat doing next? And, and I'm following <laughs> – I'm walking behind path, uh, Pat in the path. Um, one, let's tell people where they can find you and find the book. And two, maybe hint at where you're going next. Uh, thank you. Well, you can find the book at willitflybook.com. Again, it's willitflybook.com. And just, again, Eric, thank you so much for, for allowing me to share that with you and your audience here. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Um, it's definitely been a labor of love and uh, a lot of passion um, in it. And, and I hope that reads through the text. But again, willitflybook.com. And then in terms of what's next, you know, I've been doing a lot to grow up these past couple of years in terms of a business owner. I think 
I kind of started out as a scrappy entrepreneur, figuring things out along the way. And I'm, I'm still doing that, but I think I'm trying to take a lot more serious of an approach in terms of how I manage the business. Uh, so that means growing my team, being smarter about uh, systems and, and, and how things get done, uh, efficiency across the team and, and, my, and within myself too. Um, there's also a redesign of the Smart Passive Income blog coming again. And a lot of people are like, why are you redesigning it? It's, <laughs> it's fine. And you know, it's because I'm trying to become better. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, trying to make things not professional, but just high class. And and I want my standards to be even higher than, um, than where they were. And so, you know, I'm doing my best that I can to serve my audience. And it it really does start with, with this book. And now that this book's coming out, uh, I'm going to be looking toward creating more of my own assets down the road, because a lot of people know from my income reports that a, a lot of the money I make comes from commissions from recommending other people's products and courses and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I know if I want to be a smart business owner, if I don't want to be a scrappy entrepreneur anymore, if I, if I want to be a CEO, I need to create my own assets. And that in that in turn will allow me to serve my audience better too. So it should be a win for everybody. That's awesome. I can't wait to continue to watch you and walk with you on this path. And, uh, where can people find you there? Uh, you can find me at smartpassiveincome.com. And of course, I'm on Twitter at Pat Flynn. I'm also uh, on Instagram at Pat Flynn. I'm, I'm f- trying to experiment with Snapchat with, with Gary V, you know, <laughs> uh, Pat Flynn SPI. That's been an interesting journey. Um, it took me forever to learn how to use that platform. But anyway, it's, it's still a lot of fun. Uh, but, you know, smartpassiveincome.com, you can find me everywhere from there. Awesome. Pat, uh, for those that ha- haven't already heard of you, this has been a treat. And for those that have, I hope they got something extra interesting out of this. But thanks for being on the show again. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Pat Flynn. Get behind not just some of the business aspects, but how to get your business ideas tested and still have a life. Because in the end, Testing your business ideas and whether they fly or not. And again, not flying is a possibility that it's a good thing. But whether it flies or it doesn't, in the end, your life is what's more important than just your business. Thanks again to Pat for being on this episode. I love talking with Pat all the time. Can't wait to go do maybe karaoke again like we did a few years ago at Social Media Marketing World 2014. If you enjoyed this episode, let Pat know. He's at P-A-T-F-L-Y-N-N on Twitter. Shoot him a tweet. And thank you again to Nosby for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, you have no reason not to do a Nosby Pro trial for 30 days and use that with a partner to get more stuff done. All you need to do to get access to that is go over to nosby.com slash T-O-D-O. That's N-O-Z-B-E dot com slash T-O-D-O. It's almost like a jingle. In fact, let me try one more time. N-O-Z-B-E dot com slash T-O-D-O. I don't know. There you go. Anyway, run with it. I hope that you go try it out. It's a free 30-day pro Nosby trial. Again, use the code T-O-D-O to get an additional 10% off when you upgrade for future use. I know you're going to love it. Thanks again to Nosby for supporting this episode. And I have just clicked done on my Apple Watch that I have done the ad spot for this episode using my Nosby. Love it. All right. Thanks again for listening. I'm having too much fun podcasting, guys. Thanks again for listening to this episode, and I will see you next time.
Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.